Create an Unstoppable Life, Episode 154. Create an Unstoppable Life is all about mindset for the high achiever to help you build a life of fulfillment and freedom. I'm your host, Dina George, MD, a mindset and marketing coach and a family medicine physician. It's an honor to spend time with you today. Welcome back. I am so glad you're here. It is a rainy day in Texas. We love these days. We haven't had very many of them this summer. So it brings joy to see all of that water coming down. (laughs) I hope wherever you are, that it is a joyous day. Today's special guest, Craig George. You've heard him on the podcast before, but I think it's been a few months. And today we each made a list. We did it separately of three things that surprise us most in life or right now even, (laughs) hit pause and think about it. What three things have surprised you most in life? It can be anything. Make that list and then hit play again and you'll see what's on our list. See if how it compares to your life experience because really life is about learning, growing, trying on new ideas, expanding your world, creating deeper levels of freedom and fulfillment for you and all those around you. I'm glad you're here. Thank you for spending time with us. I am sending you so much love and I'll see you next time. Ciao. We've got a special guest today, Craig George. Thank you for being here. Hello. (laughs) Today we are covering three things that have surprised us most in life. And we don't know what the other one has written down. (laughs) You first, number one. Wow. Okay. Just diving right in. No foreplay. Number one is, so actually I came up with four before we get started. I know I'm limited to three, so I have the three, but if you want the bonus, the bonus will come later. So that's so funny because I did a bonus too. And after we got to number three, I was going to say, And this will not be a surprise to you because as a high achiever, I came up with a number four. What does that say about us? (laughs) The last thing I want to caveat is I had to make sure that when I made this list, that it wasn't negatively focused. Mm. Not that I thought it would be, but I intentionally said, whatever it is, I want to make sure that it is positively focused or mostly positively focused. So number one is... What has really surprised me about the 50 plus years on this rock is what love truly means, not what love is interpreted to mean, not what love in social media or TV looks like, but what it means. And for me, that means support and intention and sacrifice. So that was surprising that it took that long to figure it out. Yeah, what it's sold as is a completely different thing. And that's absolutely it's fleeting. Yeah. Awesome. All right, here's my number one. There's more to life than what I see. <laughs> wow. I have lived a life thinking that I knew everything because everything was what I could see, that there was possibly no more. Or there absolutely wasn't any more anything more to think about. Like everything in the here and now is what it is. And this is what life is about and how narrow focused that is. So I, I think it's one of the reasons that I love travel 
which doesn't go along with how everything about life is what I see. It's such a reminder that there's so much I don't know, so much that's waiting to be explored. And along with that, I'm not a mind reader. So even though I think I know what other people are thinking and what they're going to say and what they're going to do and how they think about me, it turns out that I'm often wrong. What? It's so weird. (laughs) You know, and what's funny about that is, is how we were raised. Like, I was always taught, right, with love and with what you're talking about, you know, you be you. Remember me talking about that TV show, Free to Be You and Me? Uh-huh. Yeah. There is nothing about mind reading on that show. <laughs> the whole show was about, eh, you're all right. You'll be good. Just don't hurt other people. Number two is how free choice is a rope. That has just opened up a huge can. Say more. <laughs> you can debate how free choice comes about, where it originates from, et cetera. I'm not going to get into that spiritual, theological, or political debate. But what I am going to say is that free choice is a rope. You can either use it to climb and help other people climb up with you, or you can use it for something negative to bind or worse. And free choice is that rope. You making choices, you making you having that ability to make a free choice and how some people will make a consideration of how that's going to affect people and others won't. And some of it is even benign, like, you know, say, I don't know, young teenage, early twenties, male making decisions, unwittingly knowing what those effects are going to be on the people around him who love him and who know him. I think, so what it brings up for me is thinking about what you just mentioned, which are how our choices really affect others. I don't know that I've realized that as much in life as I do now. My words, my choices affect others, and it can be on the spectrum of positive to negative. Go ahead. And I think that that's where I learned the mantra to seek the win-win. How can I make a choice that's beneficial for me and for others? I'm not saying make a choice that's beneficial for others at the cost of me. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is how can I find a choice that is helpful for me and for others around me? And surprisingly, my experience has been, if you're a little thoughtful about it, just take a moment, you know, find your spiritual place and really dive into what's going on, you'll be surprised how actually easy it is to find a win-win. All right, my number two. Are you ready? (laughs) That I could actually love more in life than I did. And boy, does that go along with number one, that life was only what I could see. There was nothing more. The amount of love that I have or the amount of love I could give was also finite. But it turns out that I could actually love more, that I could grow deeper connections, that I could love in a way that was was unimaginable, in a way that's unattached. Like I'm not attached to reciprocity. I can just love, which is so beautiful. 
what I've learned is that I have to be willing to be uncomfortable that Mm -hmm. not all love given or shared is going to be received or is going to be received as love. And that's the becoming unattached. And that's the navigating, where does this fit in? Is it helpful to somebody else or is it not helpful to somebody else? I have to essentially get out of my head, stop looking at the mirror, see the person in front of me. I think when I realized this most is when our son was born. Like I had no idea what that type of love, it's like this whole realm in life just opened up a completely different type of love and to experience that from the beginning and know to know how it started, know the conversations that we had around having a child and then moving into it and being blessed with one and walking away thinking, oh my gosh, I'm a mom. So it was like my heart grew. My heart grew throughout the process. It didn't constrict or contract afterwards. It's stayed more open and more full. You know, I have to wholeheartedly agree with you on that one. I know it's a surprise today, but I think with love, what we discover, like if you're truly, you know, in it is that it's not finite and every milestone together, like falling in love with you, that's huge. You know, that was like a lot of opening, right? Like your heart has to get bigger to handle that love, right? And in the same token, yes, yes, I know, because you went through a lot <laughs> for, for that to discussion happen. discussion for another time. But I also want to share with you the bit of sadness. You know, when my grandmother, George, passed away, it, it affected love for me. It didn't change that I love her and I, you know, and I still love her. But now I wasn't receiving her love on a daily, weekly, or monthly basis. And, you know, it, it leaves a little hole, but the reality of it is, is thinking that way would mean that everything in the world is finite yeah, and love is infinite. So I totally appreciate what you're saying. Like, I get it. Like there's more there. I remember when your grandma George came to visit us when we were in Tacoma and you were stationed at Fort Lewis and she went to the beauty shop before she came to get the violet dye in her hair. I don't know, the tint in front of her silvery white hair. And it turned out periwinkle. (laughs) Loved it. And she she was wearing a periwinkle outfit that day. And she was commenting on how strong the tint was. And that was such a glorious day because I think she was in her her moment. And we were kind of scraping along. You know, we took her to the fanciest restaurant we could take her to, right? And that love and the periwinkle and the temperature. And I can just remember all of it. I mean, yeah. you remember that that stream of consciousness I have about moments, right? Yeah. And she, I think our hearts were just so full, so full of her love. We felt like we had everything in the world. And the reality is our material possessions were so few. Our financial resources were so few, but it felt like we had everything in the world. Yeah. And. Well, we do. We did and we do because of the people around us who enrich us, which leads me to number three. Well, wait, before you go to number three, I want to provide I want to provide the contrast for this morning. So this morning we were just in our relationship. We were both in very different places. One of us was 
very tender and processing some stuff going on. And the other one was singing to punk rock music. <laughs> Minor threat, baby. And it just goes like going back to my comment about love. It's knowing when to give, how to give. And is this what the person, will it be helpful for them? So if you were to lean in into my space, it was like, no, <laughs> this is a very private space. Okay. Yeah. Number three is, I think this was the shortest or the first thing I learned and has been continually repeated throughout our lives. And I want to caveat this by saying that there are people out there, and I'm sure that this is something that a lot of people feel, that there are people out there that think that you've got it so easy and that they see where you are and they presume that, oh, they get everything all the time. And the thing I learned was you really are reflected by the people you choose to have around you, who your friends are, who your acquaintances are. And I mean, come on, you're, you know, your parents, my parents don't hang out with, you know, you know, Susie or Frankie or whatever. And you learn that, but truly the depth of the person that you are is clearly, in my opinion, those who you surround yourself. You can't choose your family, right, D? I mean, can't choose your family. But who in the family you focus on is important. I mean, I could go into a whole podcast about Bob Bisley, Marie George, like, you know, all these people in our lives that have been just beyond family for us. And then you could go into details about all these friends and the people we surround. And there have been these times in our lives, a conference we attended together, for example, where you could just feel like how important it was to be there and how to, and to be with these people and how they lifted each other up and the bonds that were being forged and all this sort of thing. And it makes you think back, well, who else are we? I mean, I'm still talking to a guy that was my commander in 2000. I talked to a guy that we were three years old together in Fontana. And I love him. And, you know, I'm glad that he's my friend. What do you think? I think what you're describing are people who are emotionally generous. Mm. What they give and share. And, and that's that's the common bond between grandma and Bob and Steve and the the friend from from when you were young and surrounding yourself with people who are generous with their words, their thoughts, their observations and people who have a zest for growth really opens up life. Yeah, I really think it enhances you and lifts you up at the same time that you're enhancing them and lifting them up. Like I just I can't say it enough positive about, you know, it was scary to leave teaching, you know, but I began to realize that the category of people around me may not have been the right chemistry. And it's not that they're bad people. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying it just wasn't the right chemistry. And now, you know, we're in these new ventures. You and I are both 
out there being entrepreneurs and it's kind of this scary place and there's a lot of uncertainty, but man, like just today, you know, I have a new client and all this, and they're just amazing people. Like I couldn't be more excited to work with them. I'm not going to say who it is. They'll know. They listen to the podcast and <laughs> I got to meet their VA and their VA is, she's just so stinking smart and she's so stinking kind. And we stayed on the phone for like an extra hour working through details. And it just wasn't with her or I, we're acquaintances now, you know, like we we're making this bond, but I can see working with together, how we're going to be friends. And I just love that about you choose the people that are around you carefully. And, but you leave your heart open to meet more people to increase that circle and build those bonds. I just think that too many people spend so much time demanding respect or saying that other people are jerks or I don't know, they don't drive well, maybe. (laughs) I don't know who would comment anybody's driving, Craig George, but we don't spend enough time, or at least I've learned now to, you know, to spend more time finding the things that connect us, finding the things that make us better humans to each other. And again, I was raised, I don't want to say that I wasn't, I wasn't raised to judge, not judge people. That's not true. That's not true. But what I was taught was, is, you know, that every human is precious and perfect in their own way. And maybe it's our responsibility to spend a little more time, even if we don't agree with them, to spend a little more time because they might end up being a friend and they may end up being so emotionally supportive and there for you. But if you cut them off at the knees because you already have this presupposition of who they are or what they're about, that's very dangerous, in my opinion. Very, very dangerous. So it it feels like we've reached this place in life that we have amazing humans around us. And man, it is a great feeling. And and I want to the final point I want to share is this, and this may be a little shocking, but I have this on my notes. You know, I went to Iraq and fought. I don't hate those people that shot at me. You know that, right? Like, I don't hate them. They had their opinion. We had ours. You can discuss the politics and the religion. And for me, I'm not going to really care much. I know that they felt like they were doing the right thing. And I hope that now that the war is over and that time has begun to heal wounds, that they too can experience that. Who knows? I may make a friend of someone who might not have been so friendly so many years ago, but I'm open to it. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I am open to it. Does that make sense? Or am I just rambling? Uh, Both. (laughs) And I love you. All right. My number three, this may shock you. Peace is an inside job. Yes. I thought if I'm a, if I'm a doctor, if I do this, if I do that, if I earn these things, that is what peace looks like. It sounds like I'm going to feel it and it never came. And what I learned is, man, I've got to get rid of the judgments and the comparisons and the guilt and the doubt and the shame and the uncertainty. And I have to trust myself and I have to open up my heart and I have to listen and stop seeing myself in the mirror but see the person in front of me. That's where peace comes from. I remember so many years when you would ask me, what do you want for your birthday? What do you want for Christmas? Peace. And you would say, I can't buy you peace. 
And that's when I started to figure it out a few years ago, when I think at the most restless time in my life, when I so wanted peace and it felt like it was so far away, that's when I started to realize, oh, that's my work to do, not anybody else's. What do you think is at the heart of peace? I think it's self-trust, that no matter what happens around me, that I've got my own back, that I can sit with my emotions, that I can figure something out, that this is not where I'm going to stay, no matter what's happening. This is not where I'm going to stay. Because you've been challenged externally over the last couple of years with some very disruptive voices, mixed messages of some people around you. I applaud you for being able to see, be able to understand and seek out that piece. It's crazy. It's exactly that, right? That tells us what our character is. We don't learn about ourselves and our character in the moments when things are going well. It's when we feel abandoned and alone and lost and that there is nobody to ask, but it's sitting there and just letting it be okay. Okay, I feel lost. I feel alone. I feel abandoned. I don't know what to do. I remember that this isn't a crisis. Right now, this isn't a crisis. I don't like how it feels. I don't want to sit here, but there's no crisis. I'm okay. We're going to move forward. It's kind of like when I work as a hospitalist and the census on my page is horrendous. I have to remind myself, I have always gotten home. I've never not gone home. And that's not going to change. So the mindset is, I am my home. How to, And I want to be in a peaceful home and a loving home, no matter what is around me, because this is an inside job. And I shared this with you as we were growing together in love and support through our marriage, that the character is best known in the crucible. You know, my dad used to say that all the time to me. He's like, your character is best tested in the crucible. And either it's melted down and reforged into something stronger, or it just fitters away. And the, to be scared to put yourself in that situation is the worst thing that you can do. It's, you know, I was a little nervous about things growing up. I mean, we all have fear and all that, but it's a pretty strong thing when your character is tested and finding that inner peace to handle it is, that's challenging. Can you think of anything specific that you can remember that that was really a big deal? I think of some recent financial challenges that that we have gone through. And I just decided we've always gotten through everything together. (laughs) We've always gotten through everything together, even if we didn't like the situation from the beginning when we were living on specialist pay and AmeriCorps stipend to now. And so it's like, of course, we're going to navigate this. Of course, it's going to be okay. Of course, there's there are plenty of options and maybe we only see a few of them right now. And ultimately, this is not a big deal. I'm reminded of applying to medical school. (laughs) I wasn't going to do it a fourth time. They had their chance. (laughs) (laughs) How many times did I say that? You did. And, you know, what I also appreciated is, you know, you could see you as a human being as we were going through that together, you know, changing and morphing and handling the hits. And I kept telling you, this is a crucible change. This is a crucible change. This is a crucible change. It's going to test your character. And to have made it to the other side is so impressive. Like, I am 
I'm to this day continually impressed that you were accepted, that you graduated, and that you practice medicine. It's so foreign to me as a human being, and how you can find balance within yourself, you know, that sense of peace to handle 22 patients, to handle, you know, being in Baghdad and some major, you know, things are blowing up and you're handling patients and all that, who might not even be on our side. And I just, I've always appreciated that about you and your ability to find or center yourself. And I wouldn't say just like with me that we were perfect or that we're even perfect now, but boy, it certainly was a growth experience, don't you think? Oh, for sure. And in a it's years in the making. There's no, and I don't know that there's an accelerated route to get there, to develop that sense of self-trust. What I do know is that it conveys to others without even speaking a word. And I love that. I love the fact that the more that I can go within and be at home and walk into a situation and see the individuals and have a sense pretty quickly of their emotional state, I can fill in the pieces as to why they got there and how they're managing it, whether it's a patient, a caregiver, a family member, a friend, and to be able to navigate that without letting it affect me, meaning I'm still me. I am a neutral party. I'm here to work towards better, whatever that looks like and sounds like. It changes the whole room dynamic. And I am so thankful to that. Again, I always feel very lucky to be married to you. So that sense of peace is a great thing. Would you mind doing your bonus first and I'll do mine second? Yes. What a privilege it is to walk the journey of the human experience, like the full journey. Where this is coming up right now is with our dog. We Mm. adopted him when he was three months old, 18 pounds. He didn't know how to walk on a leash. You carried him on our first walk in your arms. And we have traveled together 13 years, a lot of walks, a lot of barking, a lot of behavior correction, and a whole lot of loyalty in the meantime. I'm so thankful for that. I'm thankful for all the journeys that we've traveled together. I'm thankful for the privilege of walking with those who are suffering or struggling, walking with those who are at their end of the life. It's not fun like a wedding or a birth, Um, But it's so meaningful to be present and to say what a gift, what a gift it is to be here, what a gift it is to be part of their life, what a gift it is to be part of your life. Yeah, I agree. I think that, I mean, I'll even go so far as to say is everybody should own some sort of a pet. I think that the lessons learned from being with something that can never repay you, right? is the best thing because I think that goes back to what love truly means. Right. And I, you know, and I love our little dogs. I love all the dogs that we've had, you know, this is going to be a little tender. This guy's doing the best he can holding on. (laughs) Our dogs in his last chapter, his quality of life is there. As far as we can tell, he enjoys eating. He enjoys us. He enjoys our son and our son's friends, but he's in his last chapter. And a little bit of barking. He enjoys barking. Okay. That's a really good bonus one. I kind of don't want to do mine now. (laughs) Do it anyway. Okay. I think the last thing I've discovered because I've lived 
in the extremes on this particular bonus has taught me how important the balance of it truly is. And it's so cliche and it's so overstated, but yet it's not overstated and it's not cliche, which is to find the balance, mental, emotional, physical, spiritual balance in your life. I didn't realize how important all those things were growing up. I think I had periods of time where one or the other or two were really important and focused on. I mean, come on, like in the army, your body, I mean, you're constantly working out, you know, all this sort of thing. And your body is potentially going to catch some bullets and it changes who you are. But now that we're getting a little older, well, I'm getting older. You're still what, 22, 23 ish. (laughs) But then I'm getting older that not in a comparative manner per se, the choices that we've made now in our lives after learning these things is how important it is to find balance in those things. They're never truly going to be balanced. Like I would never say everything's going to be 33 and a third across the bits, but the fact or acknowledging that, Hey, I need to pay a little more attention to getting out and running, (laughs) or I need to get a little more serious or intentful about exploring more of my spiritual side or, you know, whatnot. And I will even tell you the other thing that's part of that is, you know, mental health and how important mental health really is. And I, you and I've had numerous conversations about this, that asking for help is, it can be difficult. It can be trying and who to ask for help and all that sort of stuff. But that's part of the balance as well. That's part of the balancing of who you are. So what do you think? I totally agree. I think that all the elements are important and it's like a recipe. Some recipes you have more than more salt and some recipes you have more oregano and more pepper that, but it's a balance of all the flavors that really lead to more fulfillment and freedom. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I guess in this sense, it isn't really balanced. It's how they all work together. I think you're right on that. Like, you know, some parts of your life, you want a donut. And other parts you want lasagna, you know, and each requires different ingredients and timing and everything else. Yeah. So maybe balance isn't the right word, maybe harmonious interaction. I don't know. What I think about is in growing older, what I notice is the body doesn't signal when it's changing. Believe that we've got amazing core strength and balance like we did 20 years ago, but when it's tested, it it's not there. And we're like, what happened? It, it slowly, silently slips away. So if we're not paying attention, falling at some point is going to be very easy and recovering from it is going to be very difficult. So it does require intention. It requires planning. It requires nurturing each aspect of those that you mentioned, spiritual health, physical health, mental health, emotional health. Yeah, and going back to choosing who you're around really can help you out with handling any one of those things, you know, we enjoy physical activities together, but, you know, I also enjoy talking to one of the old first sergeants and sharing other things with them. And we talk about mental health and we worry about some of the guys we served with and how we could be more helpful and, you know, going to our spiritual place and exercising. That's always a great thing as well. And I don't know, just loving on you is always a good thing too. Thank you. Any other wisdom you want to share? No, I'm grateful that you asked me to be on the podcast, though. 
maybe we should do this once or twice more. I don't know. <laughs> for sure. Well, thank you, Craig George, for being here and for being part of my life. Thank you. And I love you. I love you. Create clarity and simplicity with all of your marketing so that the people you serve know how you can help them. As a StoryBrand certified guide, I help physicians create this to launch or grow any type of business. Sign up for a consult call with me at georgemdcoaching.com.